You don't need to be so creative that you can invent something new in this real estate world. Others did it before you and you could just model what they did and then later on make adjustments as needed. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, in addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, he's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, But besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Powell Chi, how you doing, Powell? I'm doing great, Joe. Happy to be here. Well, I'm glad that you're happy to be here, and I'm happy that you're happy to be here, and I'm also happy that you're here. A little bit about Powell. He is a managing partner for Platinum Equity Partners. He's developed a specialization for investing in out-of-state multifamily properties. He bought his first single-family rental in 2017, really recently, but then purchased two apartment buildings holding 101 units. Looking forward to hearing that story. He runs a meetup that has grown to over 500 members and based in Redondo Beach, California. So with that being said, Powell, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure, Joe. I probably should correct something. I bought my first single family rental in 2015. So it wasn't 2017, but I'll get into that. But in 2013 is when I started raising money, really. That's when I got involved with real estate. 
was raising money for my brother's private lending business in the San Francisco Bay Area. Soon after that, in 2013, private lending started to dry up in that area. So in 2015, I bought my first single family rental, which was a single family house in Kansas City. So that was out of state. And from there, I quickly realized that I probably need to scale up a lot faster in order to reach my goals. So 2017, I bought my first apartment building, which was in Indianapolis. And that was a 40 unit apartment building. Bought that one primarily by myself, a little help from my dad. And then in 2018, earlier in January, I was able to purchase another 61 unit apartment building with me and four other investors. So currently that's where I am. I'm looking to purchase another property, hopefully in the hundred plus unit range. And that's where I am. Wow. I'm looking forward to diving in. Let's see. Are you a full-time investor or do you have a full-time job? I do have a full-time job. So this is all built around a full-time job. And what industry are you in? I'm in corporate sales. Okay. Got it. So you said for the 40 unit, you partnered with your dad, but it's mostly you. Was that income from your full-time job that you used to purchase the property? Yeah. It was all savings and everything. I had a previous job, so I liquidated that 401k that I had. And instead of rolling over, I just liquidated it and used that as well. Okay. But yeah. Cool. And then your first property was in 2015, a single family rental. But you said you started raising money for your brother's private lending business in 13. Mm -hmm. What lessons did you learn from your experience in 13 that you applied to your purchase in 15? One of the lessons that I really learned right away was when I was raising private money, I didn't fully understand real estate as a whole back then, but I really just had to put myself out there. And sometimes you feel like as you go through things that you don't really know everything and you sometimes feel like that should stop you because you don't know everything. But I really just felt like even though I don't know as much, I know there's a lot of people that I can ask questions and they can get me answers to, but I can really hustle and really just meet a bunch of people that would be interested in private lending business. And I was able to raise, I would say from repeat investors and first time investors, I've raised probably about 1.4 million during that wow. time. Yeah. So it was pretty successful, but it was over multiple projects. So it wasn't just a one-time raise of 1.4. Yeah, 1.4 is 1.4 million. That's pretty impressive. And did you have a full-time job outside of that or was that your focus at the time? full-time job during that whole time. So this whole time I've had a full-time job. I've always had to just work around it. And because my sales jobs have been flexible, I've been able to make phone calls and things when I need to answer things, send emails and things like that. But it's always been built around a full-time job and having that steady income. How much was the purchase price for the 2015 single family home? Purchase price on that was 92,000. I bought it in all cash. Why all cash? The way that I did it was I purchased it all cash so that I could refinance right away because I thought I was going to praise for more than the purchase price for it. And I was, I guess, I don't know if I was lucky or if I did my right research, but I was right and it appraised for 122000 So really my loan on it was only 84000 after it was all said and done. Mm-hmm. So in essence, I only put in $8,000 into that property and still have it today. Love that little property, love that little house. And for only $8,000 getting into it, it's certainly pushed off a lot of cash. The next purchase was a 40 unit. That was two years later. Mm-hmm. How much was that? That purchase was 820000 for 40 units. 
And what type of business plan do you have on that? That one I had to purchase with a national bank. So I know it's a little unusual. I know a lot of times you want to go with regional banks or smaller banks who may be more suited or better able to help you. But in my case, most of the regional banks, because I was an out-of-state buyer, were not really inclined to work with me. So I just used my local bank, which is a national bank, and they were willing to give me a mortgage on it and willing to help me purchase the property. So the thing is, they did make it a short-term loan, so everything was good, except for it was short-term. So with that being said, as long as I've been talking with them, they said, as long as I can stabilize it within that two-year period, that they'll be able to extend the loans. But I'll be looking to potentially either refinance at that time, I would say. That's what I'm thinking. You live in California. This property is in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Please tell us about the management. That's a huge piece of it. When you're looking at a property out of state, when you're doing your due diligence, a lot of what you're doing is really finding out who's going to manage it. And so it is a third-party property management that I've hired to run this. That was also part of the requirement from the lender that it would be a third-party property management because it was my first time owning a property that size and having somebody that is there on the ground that is their primary profession that gave them a lot more at ease. So yes, you do have to vet them. I vetted probably, I would say four different property managers, went with the one that I felt the most comfortable with and that worked with me the most and I thought was the most fair and still going today. That's been good. It's been about at least a year. How long has it been? About a little year over and a half, year and a half. Yeah, okay. a little over a year and a half right now. What metrics are you tracking on a consistent basis? On this building, one of the things that I wish I would have done better in is that I would have raised more capital or had more capital available in the beginning for a lot of my CapEx. Right now, the building itself is doing okay. It's actually just starting to turn around. So about a year and a half right now, it's starting to turn around from pretty much breaking even to now starting to kick off a little bit of cash flow. Not a tremendous amount, not as much as I would really hoped and wanted to get to, but it's starting to be positive, starting to see the light. So it's taken me, like I said, a little more than a year and a half right now. So at that time, like I said, I wish I would have done it faster, but I certainly did learn a good lesson there. What's been the biggest challenge that you've come across from a management standpoint? I would say the biggest challenge has been a lot of the turnover that we've encountered. Trying to upgrade the class of tenant, I would say it's probably a C minus class and a C minus class area. And we're trying to just upgrade it a little bit to maybe a C class. And there has been a lot of tenant turnover. The previous owner was, I would say, not into keeping upkeeping the property. So there had been a lot of deferred maintenance on the property. So a lot of that is stuff that I've had to take care of with both my property manager and, and outside contractors as well. And that's been a challenge. That's primarily what eats up a lot of the cash flow all the time. And with your management team, what are the fees that they charge? The fees that I'm charged right now are 8% as far as the management fee, but there's no markup on any outside vendors or maintenance is all kept in house. So it's at a pretty reasonable price right now. If you were to do one thing differently that we haven't talked about about the 40 unit, what would you do differently? I think one thing... I know I already brought it up as far as making sure that I had enough CapEx. I think that was really the main thing that I really needed to fix on this is that I needed to make sure that I had more CapEx available. It's just making the property go really slow. And that's been the major thing that's kind of held this property back a little bit. Other than that, I think that the property is going well. It's just taken some time to do that. 
you've got a 61 unit building. Congratulations on that. You're scaling rather quickly. Yeah, I was able to get a 61 unit also in Indianapolis. It's probably about four miles away. So that one was, again, something that I was really excited about. It, it actually, when I sent in my letter of intent and was trying to get it under contract, there was three parties and the owner went with a different party. But about three weeks later, I kept in contact with the broker and just said, hey, how's that 61 unit property come along? Is it going to close? And they said, you know, it's going to fall out. So if you're still interested, then I think that you would be the next in line. And it all worked out. We were able to negotiate that contract right really quickly and then put that 61 unit under contract and just kind of continuing from there. So I'm really excited about it. It's one that I purchased in January of this year. So I'm still in the stabilization phase of it right now. I would say it's basically about breaking even, but really kind of having to stabilize the property. I have to go through a number of different evictions, some CapEx that I did bring into this one that we've had to use for things like the roof and some exterior renovations and things like that. So, Do you know why the first group who got selected did not purchase it? Truthfully, I don't. That's probably something I should have asked. But no, I, at the time I was very excited because the purchase price that I actually offered in my letter of intent was higher than person who declined at first. And when the seller came back, they said, well, we'll just do it at the price that we were going to sell it at. So oh, they actually, wow. Yeah. yeah. You offered a higher price than the group that got selected, but then that group that got selected didn't close. Correct. They didn't close. And then the seller just said, we'll just do it at the price that we'd already negotiated with the other party. And what were the two prices? We ended up closing at 1300000 And my offer price that I offered was $1,320,000. So it was basically about a $20,000 difference. Okay. Cool. How much CapEx did you budget for for this one? A budget of uh, 100000 So I brought in an extra $100,000. And where did the majority of that go? Or where is it going? Fixing the roof was a big thing. And then that was about $60,000 in renovations with that. There's some landscaping and cleaning up of the property. Like there was a number of windows that were broken and had to be fixed. So you don't want to have broken windows. Things like that on the exterior, cleaning up some of the doorways. We painted a lot of the interior common areas. So painted and cleaned up, put in extra fixtures and things like that. So that's where we are right now. You've got 61 units and a 40 unit. They're in, sounds like the same sub-market since they're a handful of miles away. What do you like about the sub-market? That's one thing when you're talking to the brokers or you're talking to the property managers, it's certainly a thing that you're going to want to be aware of. And so this sub-market happens to be in an area that's up and coming in Indianapolis. It's in the Irvington area, which is about four miles east of downtown Indianapolis. So it's still pretty much the core of Indianapolis, but Irvington is known as a very historic area. And it's an area that is going through a lot of rehabs and, and renovations, a lot of new building and new businesses going on there. So a lot of new restaurants and bars that have come in there. So it's kind of an exciting area to be in. And my building is right on the cusp of Irvington in between downtown Indianapolis and Irvington on a major corridor. So downtown Indianapolis is going through its major renovation, just like many other cities of a lot of type A-class properties with a lot of millennials moving into there and wanting to be close to living downtown. 
And then my property is in between downtown and Irvington and not really on the cusp of Irvington. So I think it's a great area to be in, just a nice area where a lot of new things are coming up. When you speak to the management company, one, what is that frequency? And then two, what type of reporting do you get from them? I have a, a schedule call every two weeks with them. And that's a schedule call, but I probably communicate with them, I would say probably twice a week outside of those. And generally outside of those are maybe just something that I need to know from them. How is this? Just certain questions that I may have. I may send them a text or an email to get some information that I would need from them. And then typically the reporting. So I'm going to get a cash flow statement, the cash in, cash out. I get a rent roll. I get my P&L for the month. And then what I also do is I compile that P&L with a yearly P&L. So basically have each month. So it would go January, February, March, April, May, up through every month, basically the P&L side by side so that I can track how things are going. That's maintenance wise, whether that's utility wise, whether that's income, whether that's any sort of other expenses, anything that's on the P&L that I can track basically month to month. Your four business partners in that deal, how did you find them? Those are all friends and family. I guess if I pull back a little bit and look at what my overall strategy is, is that first property, my first 40 unit, I really wanted to do by myself. I really wanted to prove the model and this is what I could do and that it would work. And I didn't want to bring in really anybody else's money into the situation. And then after I felt like I was comfortable, I thought it was working, I liked it and, and I could scale up. Then I went out and purchased a 61 unit building where I brought in four other investors and they're all friends and family. So they're all people that I've known for over a decade, good friends and good family. So people that had seen, I had told what I was doing and they were interested in getting involved in with my next one. So my future ones is now as my strategy is to open this up a little bit more to not just friends and family to actually go outside of friends and family and to acquire a larger property with more investors. You've got a meetup that you run, 500 plus members. How many people attend the meetings? I started in December and the meetup has grown now. It's over 600 now, but the meetup itself has three different chapters. And each chapter I would say has anywhere from 20 to 30, maybe 35 people that come to each meeting. So they're spread out through Los Angeles because Los Angeles is a big area. So we spread them out and we have good attendance a mixture of between people who are coming back from multiple times and other ones that are just coming for their first time. Do you attend all three? I don't attend all three, although I've been to them. But right now, I run the one that I run and the leadership from all three, we meet basically once a month. We'll go out to dinner, talk with each other, how things are going, what we can do to help each other out, what's been successful for us and things like that. And we plan to have a big meetup maybe once a year, maybe twice a year, where we'd invite some speakers and to come in and talk to us and just invite the whole meetup as a general to come as one big event. Did you create this? Yes, I created it. started in December. First, it was just me doing my one meetup. And then in about three months later, realized that there was a certainly a need beyond just my one area in Los Angeles, that there's a lot of interest other places. What business results have you seen as a result of this? Just hard evidence-wise, there's a lot of people that will either bring me a deal to look at to either partner with them. There'll be people that have asked me about, hey, when's my next time that they're look, 
that I have a property that they might want to invest in, that they want to take a look at. There's a lot of opportunities like that that come about, but I just know that right now my network is much stronger than it's ever been. There's just a lot more people that I've met through this. There's a lot of people that are very interested. There's a lot of people that are very skilled. And one great thing is that I've met several people that I am potentially going to partner with. I know one specifically that I'm partnering with right now to evaluate a lot of these bigger deals. And we've been working together really well right now. Haven't closed a deal yet together, but I would say we're going to close something in the future. Yeah. You're not even year old with the meetup standpoint. Nice work on that. With your overall time allocation or time management, how do you do these things while still having a full-time job? That's tough. So that's a lot of waking up early and- What time do you get up? I get about 5.30, do my morning routine and then get down to the real estate and do as much as I can early in the morning. Then I'm at my job for, for most of the day and then in the late afternoon till evening time, that's when I'm picking up all the rest of the activities that I do throughout the day. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I was thinking about this and I think my best advice ever, Joe, is don't reinvent the wheel. If you can model success with what others have done, I think that's just really important. You don't need to be so creative that you can invent something new in this real estate world. Others did it before you and you could just model what they did and then later on make adjustments as needed. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at Eastern eq.com. What is square made of metal and has half the operating costs of apartments? It might just be real estate's best kept secret. Learn more and get a free one-on-one strategy session from the experts at You Don't Know Self Storage. You can find them at ydkselfstorage.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've recently read? Best ever book I recently read, Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. You mentioned your morning routine. I was going to ask you about it, but now I don't think I need to. Do you follow the Miracle Morning? Yes, follow that. I've been doing that for over 850 days, something like that. Best ever deal that you've done so far? You know, I would have to say my first deal, I was very happy with that one. A single family house that I bought in 2015, very happy with that. How much is that 40 unit worth today? Truthfully, I don't know, but I would say if I had to guess, Joe, I would say it's probably just under a million. And you bought it for 820. How much have you put into it? I've put in probably another 60,000. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? My biggest mistake, Joe, it was really honestly that not bringing enough capital. I mean, I hate to kind of harp on that same thing, but just not bringing enough capital to that one was a big mistake. What's something you do differently to mitigate that from happening again as much as possible? Yeah. Nowadays, when I'm evaluating deals, obviously I have a CapEx budget that I put in there, but I always inflate it just to make sure that I'm very sensitive to that issue now of hey, not having enough capital because you'll budget for a roof for it to be $60,000, but it may not be 60000 by the time you get it done. So you need to 
inflate your CapEx budget as you go into purchasing these properties. Best ever way you'd like to give back? My meetup is free. So I hope I provide a lot of value to those people that are attendees at, at my meetup. So let's go on. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? The best way is probably just to email me. My email is powell at platinum equity partners. And that's partners with the S.com. And if people go to my website, I do have these 30 minute free calls where I just talk about anything involving real estate. So it doesn't have to be anything about me. It just has to be anything about person just guiding them through any situation. So I'm happy to do those as well. Well, Powell, thank you for being on the show and talking about your single family, the 40 unit and the 61 unit. Really interesting, especially considering you're in California. These properties are not. They are in Indianapolis how you've set up the team, some lessons you've learned on them, and the numbers around each of them. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. It's an absolute privilege to be on here. What is square, made of metal, and has half the operating costs of apartments? It might just be real estate's best-kept secret. Learn more and get a free one-on-one strategy session from the experts at You Don't Know Self-Storage. You can find them at ydkselfstorage.com forward slash best ever.